I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's welcome in, now that we're composed somewhat back in the locker room here, let's welcome in Alvaro Martin, Spanish play-by-play voice for the Steelers Game Day Network. Alvaro, how are you, my friend? Fresh off our trip to Mexico, the echo you heard in that call is because we're actually calling the game in front of probably 3,000 fans uh, in a concert arena. Uh, When I was told about the green room and all the stories, um, I started thinking, well, what can I get? What what kind of crazy request can I get? Because they just about covered everybody's requests, including a, a heavy metal band <laughs> that at the end of the concert had a craving for duck. Duck? duck. <laughs> oh, no. You got to be kidding me. Yes, indeed. But you know what? Speaking of culinary treats, nothing like watching Dermonte Dawson, uh, James Farrier, and particularly Santonio Holmes, devour crickets say what yes sir it's actually a it's not even a delicacy it's actually a pretty common um mexican uh sort of habit to get these little crickets you roast them which at that point they become something like crunchy stuff and then you put some chili powder on it and it is 100 percent protein which is the reason why it's consumed but you can find them literally on the street. Anywhere you go, there's a little barrel, and they'll serve you. And uh, San Antonio had it more than once. We also had something called which is the kind of, I guess, a local version of caviar, <laughs> which are little, little white little balls. 
and uh, that's actually ant eggs. And actually, the, the ant eggs, the balls, are bigger than the ants. I mean, it's incredible. But um, basically, that one doesn't have any taste at all. Uh, it's just really no taste at all. But but the season for them is very narrow during the year, and we just happened to be there when they were in season. So everybody had to have some. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. You know, <clears throat> I'm not into, like, uh, bugginated uh, insects for <laughs> edibilization yeah. there, man. But yeah, uh, can you I know, tell you, Craig, yes, Craig, Craig you probably would have. You probably would have eaten some just to taste. Yeah, most uh, likely. What surprised, what surprised me was after we ate at the restaurant, it's really on the street, San Antonio going, hey, those are the crickets? I said, yep, let's have some. <laughs> <laughs> but then he told me, then he told me, you have to have them with me. In other words, if I get sick, you get sick too. Yeah. No, we never got sick. We never got sick. <laughs> now, Alvaro, explain what the watch party was all about and where you were at. It's a small step for man, a giant leap for mankind. You heard that one before. <laughs> that applies here. Uh, I think there's some 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 sort of a, a tale out there that the Raiders had a watch party many many years ago during an actual game. We also know that the Broncos came down on their bye week and did some kind of a party, but of course they weren't watching the Broncos. They were off that week. Right. This is the first time that on a game day a team comes down to Mexico or anywhere else outside of the U.S. and tries to recreate what the game was or what the game looks like as best as they could in a remote location. So we had stadium shots of Mercedes-Benz before the games for warm-ups. We had all sorts of Steelers sending messages by video from Omar Khan down uh, to the crowd that was there. They had a bit of an NFL experience. You know, kids, you can kick field goals, you can tackle mm -hmm. a tackling dummy. You know, all these little attractions in the lobby. Then you walk this hallway into the arena, and it, it had multiple screens. Uh, the sound was unbelievable. They had a DJ. There was really not a moment of, of no entertainment there. And most importantly, the Steelers put up the great entertainment, and they came out happy with a win. So it really was incredible. It really, it's hard to describe. The people there are such Steelers fans. I mean, I think Pittsburgh, anybody from Pittsburgh Racing would have said, I know, I know this feeling. I know this crowd. It's really no different. Um, and very family-oriented, too, by the way. Awesome. Which really surprised me. A lot of families. We're talking three generations wow. of Steelers fans. Uh, and, and they were all there. Some of them came from, from the north of the country, from Mexico, from Mexico City. I think we probably could have given up 10,000, maybe 15,000 tickets if we had the capacity. Wow. No sweat. No sweat, uh, game like that. So all in all, I think the Steelers walked away with some interesting. I think they opened up the eyes of local Mexican media, perhaps considering putting up some more content for the Steelers. Maybe the, the preseason games. I think that opened up their eyes. Some sponsors, potential sponsors, were probably there. That must have opened up their eyes. Mm -hmm. And the show itself went without a hitch. It was really, really good. I mean, they played Renegade in the fourth quarter. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Even though it wasn't at a home, a home game, they played, and the fans, I mean, the fans just went nuts. Nuts. So, every, I mean, Steely McBeam was just, as he's probably more popular in Mexico City than in Pittsburgh. <laughs> so, it was just unbelievable. It was just a great show. The, the alumni had fun. Uh, everybody had an absolute great time. Let me, let me ask you, too, with that, Alvaro, like, 
that sense of of community when when people in that um, that numbers those amount of numbers right can can come to a, a watch party and and be all in together and create an atmosphere like that you know like it reminds me you know I'm, I'm 31 years old and over you know the last 15 20 years the way we've seen hockey grow here in Pittsburgh I feel like a lot of that started with you know Mario Lemieux the owner of the Penguins the former owner of the Penguins put up a huge TV outside of the arena and thousands of people would come down and watch the games together through a lot of those, those playoff runs. And it was a real sense of community. And I think for a lot of people who maybe, you know, didn't grow up with the sport, it's an opportunity to be involved with a lot of other people. You can learn, you can make friends. Is that something that you, you know, maybe felt coming together there on Sunday that it, a lot of Steelers fans who had maybe been, you know, watching the team on their own or just with their families now all of a sudden realize, hey, there's this huge community of people who love this sport and love this team just like me. Well, think about it this way. You're absolutely right, Wes. But think about it this way. The largest crowd they may have seen watching a Steelers game together may have been their family or maybe 50 people. Right. This is 3,000 people. So now you realize it's almost like like a Christian in Rome. You know, I, I'm not just one here in my neighborhood who loves this team and my family loves the team. There's a huge crowd, and we pro- probably would have had more had the venue been larger. And that gives you a whole different dimension. Mm. This is truly Steelers Nation. And this is probably the first time that they really had that feel, that really, really strong feel that, wow, the numbers. The numbers are huge, and this place is packed. I mean, I think tickets were given up in a couple of uh, sessions and they were gone, you know, on an average in a half hour. I mean, this is just unbelievable. So great, great, really important step. I think great things will come out of this. I know the NFL is very interested in that event mm-hmm. and the outcome. I can tell you a story. Um, we, we mentioned to the TV broadcast uh, network that carried the game in the U.S. Hey, you know, we can send you some video. And apparently there was no immediate response. The NFL independently called and said, can we get footage for, from the event for our CBS uh, network? And sure, Pitch was like, well, we kind of offered it, but they never mentioned anything. Oh, sure, we'll give it to you. It sure was. It made it onto one of the billboards. Wow. And it gave you a sense of what that was. So I think for the league, this is an important step. But I'm telling you right now, it was stunning. And then they took us around a little bit around the city. They took us on one of those double-decker buses. Now, what, where, 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 was, where were you, Alvaro? What city? We were staying in Mexico City in, a, in an area that's very, very nice called Polanco. Okay. Within, within walking distance, you have restaurant row. You have shops. Wow. Uh, nice. I mean, there's, it's very eminently walkable because a lot of these stores and restaurants have Security is there. Are, there's a lot of police, so you never feel any way threatened. I, I remember seeing an elderly couple from Tampa Bay <laughs> visiting, um, and they were just going to walk the city at night. I'm like, okay. And they, I saw them the next morning, so everything went well. <laughs> so that's good. It's just one of those things where the setting is great. They took us to this uh, hotel that had a restaurant. I think it was like a 40th floor, and the view of the city was spectacular. Oh my. I mean, and it's just unbelievable. Mexico City, as most Western U.S. cities, ha- was built on sprawl. Think of L.A., Phoenix, where people build single-story homes and just go out into the hinterland. That's Mexico City. But what you're seeing now is towers, mm-hmm. people building up in Mexico City and it, it was with some modern buildings. 
So it's it's really really interesting. Uh, traffic is bad. Think of L.A. as well. Right. Uh, but other than that, it's just a great town. Alvaro, let me ask you this. Now you you called the game there live, correct? You know, it's the first time, Craig, in 30 years that as an announcer, you stand in front of a mic and you always visualize your audience and mm-hmm. what they're thinking. Let me tell you, you made a factual mistake. That crap let you know right away. <laughs> they, they didn't like your they didn't like your call. They'd say, like, come on, put some more pep in your step, bro. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a little nerve wracking to face your audience yes. and get the thumbs up or down right, real quick. But luckily, it was all thumbs up. That's good. I could only imagine that it would be. That had to be exciting for you. I mean, that's yeah. That gets you pumped up. Absolutely. At the end of the game, of the game, I, I asked for duck. I said, I want duck right now. <laughs> duck <laughs> with the heavy metal band. <laughs> did y'all yes. hang out together? We did. We did. No, it was fun, guys. It was really, really fun. San Antonio shows up on the on the on the on the stage, and it's like MVP. Dermonti shows up, Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. You know, James shows up and people put up their two sign, you know, two Super Bowls. Like, this is a knowledgeable crowd. You don't have to count them. Uh, they love the team and just a, just a success all around. Really total success all around. I can't tell you, everybody was so a little bit anxious to make sure everything went right. But at the end, everybody was so happy. Everybody. It's great that you have that great community feel that, that, uh, pulling together of Steelers nation, feeling a part of the excitement of the drama that that game was. And, and I, I just, we got you here. What'd you think about the game? What'd you think about the Steelers outrushing the Falcons? I well, you know, yeah. You know, the first half again, the first half defensively was unbelievable. But then I asked myself, this is the second Pittsburgh opponent in a row, Indianapolis on Monday, Atlanta on Sunday who has a specific weapon that they typically base their offense around, Jonathan Taylor, and then the rushing attack. And then at the start of the Steelers game, they just not use it. I don't know what's going on with that video of the Steelers defense that makes a team go, you know what? This is our strongest weapon, the way we win games. We're not going to rely on that. We're going to get away from that. Maybe to try to fool that defense. That was the first thing. I mean, why do you not use Cordero Patterson from the beginning of the game? Why? I mean, they tried three three touches, no yards. I'm not saying that they didn't try, but three touches, really? It's not enough. Yeah. No. And so it's the second opponent in a row that is spooked. I don't know how else to say it by the Steelers defense to the point where their game plan goes away from their strength. That's the first reaction. Like, why are these people not giving it the ball to the Patterson? Um, they start uh, – let me give you an example. First play of the game. This team is, I think, the second highest – has the second highest proportion of runs on first down. What does Mariota do first, first play of the game? Pass. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like they blink before the game starts. So that's the first part. And then they get into their game later, and it really causes some damage. Uh, Indianapolis in the second half, Atlanta in the second half. So in a way, you always think we got we got a little bit lucky here that uh, they didn't start doing things the way they wanted to at the beginning. Again, nothing that th- taking away nothing from the Steelers defense uh, played very well in the first half in both cases. But I'm struck by the decision making from the other side. So we get another running team. We get a, a second running quarterback in a row, whether it's Huntley or Jackson. We'll see. 
uh, a much better team, of course. So it'll be interesting to see how that works. And then I don't know about, about you guys. Greg, Wes, I don't know what you think. I'm not I'm, – I'm no one to say this, but I just had this thought came come to my mind briefly when I saw those throws by Kenny hit the ground in front of his receiver or overthrow him a couple times. He overthrows every now and then. That's fine. I saw many more than I usually see from him, especially lately. And I'm thinking to myself, is that the beginning of the rookie ball here? Is there such a thing as a rookie wall for a, quarter, a young quarterback like this? Um, there were too many of those, for my taste. No one else helped them, of course. There were some drops. There was the usual penalties. We went all the way down to the 14-yard line in the, in, the, in the second half, and then we had a couple of penalties, and we had to kick a field goal. But the first thought that came to my mind is he's, he's making really totally unforced mistakes that are completely on his own. And they're more than usual. And I was wondering that. I don't know if you guys felt that way. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel that way myself, just because of the fact that uh, this guy now, as I look at it, he's gone four games without throwing an interception. He's gone four games in a row with ever increasing quarterback rating. He's getting better, in other words, week by week. And you're bound to, as every human being is bound to, you're going to have, you know. Uh, what three steps forward two steps backwards in the growth of a rookie <clears throat> i'm not worried about it now if you know it, you you need greater evidence uh, a long term in overall assessing uh something like that i i, I don't I, I just don't feel like he's anywhere near that rookie wall and quite frankly and i understand yeah there, it can be a real thing in my in my day there was no such thing as a rookie wall because chuck <laughs> just didn't tolerate it you know Chuck, Chuck, you better run through that wall. Yeah, yeah, he was. Chuck was all about. Listen, there, there's no rookie wall. You just show up week every day, every week, and you get the job done. And that's all we ever heard. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. Bring your one good leg, and it's okay. You'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, go ahead, Wes. Go ahead. No, yeah, I was just going to say the the rookie wall. You know, angle of it was one that I had not thought about. I I am with you that there were a couple passes he was skipping short. You know, the, the overthrows. You're like you said, you're going to have those. The the short hoppers, um, I think are a, a little bit newer here over the last week or two. I just yeah, I I think kind of what Wolf said there. You know, we always want progression to be completely linear, but sometimes it is. You take three steps forward and then you take a step back and then you take a couple steps forward and then maybe a couple steps back. I think that there's probably a lot that they've thrown at him, you know, since that bye week and I do think he's picked up most of it in stride. Uh, maybe that's just kind of, you know, detailing some of those mechanics to make sure that he's he's, you know, keeping that stuff in a minimum as, as they close out the, the season here. I'm sure he'll be working on it this week, I'll tell you. Cause he, he's a, you can tell he's a competitor. You mm-hmm. can tell Big, I mean, I remember Latrobe. He show. I mean, I show up early for everything. Shows up early for breakfast. At the time, Mitch <laughs> is a starter, so all the offensive linemen sit with Mitch at every meal. Kenny is on another table. He always showed up early. Nice demeanor, pleasant smile. Finishes meal, gets up and go, probably to watch video, or do something. Um, he gets her early. He works hard. It's like if anything goes wrong, it's not because of him. He did his part. He probably does his part in somebody else's too. Um, those qualities at some point show up, the, the, the sort of the competitiveness and the prep together are powerful. You become a powerful weapon. You just don't see that right away, and you don't see that. It doesn't show 
clearly it, it's something that shows up in the things that didn't happen that you never see. So he's got those qualities, and I think that's going to serve him well no matter what he does in life to be competitive and to, to just be diligent and, and disciplined. So he'll do that. Now let me ask you, let me bring up another point, another impression that I got out of the game. You know, everybody wants to catch every ball, right? Everybody wants to be involved. But I just think I that never had that problem. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> I know. I never but wanted I to catch design- anything. <laughs> yeah. No, you, were you ever an eligible receiver? <laughs> I was. Hey, th- this is true. All right, Alvaro, late in my career, I started playing goal line tight end. So Tom Moore came to me and he said, he said, you know, are you adverse to running a pattern? I go, oh, I can run the pattern. Just tell the quarterback, unless you can guarantee that you can wedge it into my face mask, don't throw it at me, okay? <laughs> and then Tom Moore last night told uh, Tom Brady, listen, I remember back in my days in Pittsburgh, I had a guy named Craig Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> and if you ever have an eligible receiver, don't throw to him. Don't throw to him, yes. Now, I know that everybody wants to be, you know, catch every ball in the air and all that stuff. But I just think that the design of the offense is such that it is meant for the ball to touch as many different hands as possible. That part of the way you pressure defenses is to get as many people involved, in some cases by absolute design. Like this guy's coming in here to catch a play. Normally he doesn't even play off it. I'm thinking Derek Watt. Um, I'm thinking running backs, the backup running backs. That part of what we're seeing here is a, a, an offense whose philosophy is we're going to share everything. Well, you know, what's the interesting thing is that there were so many targets at Deontay Johnson, you know, and I, yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the Tom Brady's, if you look at the Ben Roethlisberger's guys that they would vary and get the ball out to various and as many guys as they could, um, there was a lot of targets going Deontay's way. And I, I went back and I started watching the all 22. Finally, I got the all 22 and watching for Pickens and, and Pickens, you know, sometimes um, sometimes he's he's his own worst enemy in the sense he's not getting the you know that separation at, at times and other times I think it was like Max talked about he wasn't the first guy on the progression uh, you know route tree for Kenny you know and so I it just didn't materialize for George but that's not just to understand George is going to be a superstar at some point if he keeps working and keeps going after it. You know what I'm talking about? And that game, the, the ball is going to be spread around. But right now, the hot hands have been the fryer move. Yeah, especially on third down. It's clear now. You're still, and, I, and you sense that if that's the case now, then when it comes to scoring touchdowns by air, you know, whoever's the third down conversion person will be the, the, the touchdown catching person. I mean, we saw Connor do that play, and that was, by the way, that was an unbelievable play. Wasn't that beautiful? Man. I mean, that, that, the execution, the catch. And what but about the throw? The, yeah. Yeah, and the meaning of it. The meaning of it. The whole meaning of it. It was just yeah. – you and I didn't know about that until after the game, but that right. was something really special. But um, and, and, again, there's an example. You know, he was probably the best person to throw it to. He was probably the most open. He put it at the back of the end zone, and the kid made a great catch. Oh, he did. And so that's how, that's how, that's how you get rewarded. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good football. And he made the right decision. I just think if there's, a, there's going to be more of a democracy here. And the, the idea should be, if anything comes your way, make the best out of it. <laughs> yep. Mm. No doubt about it. 
Alvaro, thank you so much, my friend. You know what? Thank you for bringing us into that great watch party that yeah, you had. that's awesome. That is really cool. I, it just felt like it was exciting. That must have been really something cool. So congratulations I think, I mean, to I you. Think just, just from looking at the legends that showed up and their experience, I think you guys would love it. So I'm ready to take you out to, to some eat some crickets and some ant eggs. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alvaro Thanks, Martin. Alvaro. Thank you. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Let's go to break. We'll be back with more after this. You're with Wolf, Wes, and the Ninjas here, SNR. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he feeds Najee off the left side. They seal it. He's inside the 35, inside the 30. Stumbles and still gets positive yardage to the near sideline to the 32. Needed four, got eight. No, he's got uh, more than that. He got 13 on the play to the 27. And that's exactly what the Steelers needed going down to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is, I said before, it kind of looks from the outside. It reminded me of a, <clears throat> like a monstrous replica of Darth Vader's helmet. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> but in a dome, you're not supposed to have that many right angles. You know, I mean, it just, it, it, it just kind of bamboozled me. But regardless, it was a tremendous. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Luke, I am your father. Impressive. <laughs> Most impressive. But this is not Acrisure Stadium yet. <laughs> I like that. Can we just do that? You want to just leave this on for the last half an hour of the show? <laughs> just, just... <laughs> wheezy. That's me. <laughs> I'm breathing. You know what's funny is I cut that up yesterday uh-huh. because I figured you would make the, the Darth Vader helmet joke yesterday, and I don't think we ever got to it, but hey, it worked today. How about that? We got Darth Vader breathing. We couldn't find Presley Harvard's <laughs> kick. <laughs> but I can get you this in a second. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Luke, the force is with you. All right. So the Steelers' run game has really come on. I mean, Sunday's game was, uh, what, their fourth highest total yes. of the year? Uh, this is our third highest total of the season. All right. Uh, after the first, uh, let's see. No, uh, that's, I think, is it the third or fourth? I can't remember. It's uh, top five. Okay. Top five. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. That works so much better. Um, but this offensive line has just been on the move. They, yep. I tell you what, uh, P- Coach Pat Meyer's just been doing a terrific job getting these guys ready. And uh, watching them develop, you know, you think about the first half of the season, we're sitting there going, oh, man. You know, uh, well, back to training camp. we got to put this together. we got to need an offensive line. We've got to be able to move the ball. we got to be able to pass protect and all these things, uh, all the trepidation going through preseason and, you know, all the, the, the various things that, uh, you know, were being said and everything. And all of a sudden now it's getting that traction. And they're doing such a good job. You know, this is – this is the first game they've kept uh, Kenny clean as far yes. as uh, the sacks, right? He yep. was no sacks on Sunday. 
And I, I look at this and I think to myself, you know, as, as this line grows, Kenny's going to grow. And as Kenny grows, this line is going to grow. And right now the running game has just been on a tear. Boy, I can't say enough good about how great Najee looked. Yeah, he, he looks like the Najee that we expected coming into this season. Um, you know, the violent tenacity. Violent, yes. The, you know, as uh, as Marshawn Lynch used to always say, right, Wolf, sometimes you just got to go through a bad words face mask <laughs> over and over and over and over and over and over. And, and that's what Najee was doing. Even the five-yard runs were punishing. Yes. You know, and, and again, that's – that's what we saw at Alabama. That's why he was a first-round draft pick. That's why we all had so much hope for this guy following his rookie season last year. He's he's clearly had some health issues, you know, throughout training camp and into the regular season. Um, but I think with the uptick from the offensive line, I think with you know maybe Najee getting a little bit of help too, in the sense of you know there's some other running backs on this roster that they trust now too. So it's not like he's shouldering the entire load of the run game, right? Jalen Warren has done well at times. Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland getting his hand in that pile. We know Kenny Pickett, you know, has 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 had his 30, 40 rush yard performances. I, I think it's just kind of all come together at the right time in that regard. Um, but I, I am with you. The offensive line and Najee are always going to be kind of the catalyst, the straw to uh to stir that drink for the run game. And since the bye week, Wolf, they've put in their best performances. That Falcons, I just looked it up for you. Uh, that performance against the Falcons for the run game was their third best of the season, okay? All right. Second best was last Monday night in Indianapolis. So 154 yards rushing on the ground in Atlanta, 172 yards rushing on the ground in Indy. That was your second best performance of the season. And then number one was New Orleans right after the bye week at home, 217 yards. So I don't think there's any – and you know what's funny, Wolf? Their fourth best performance of the season was mm-hmm. in Philly right before the bye week at the end of October. So I think it's very clear Najee's gotten healthier. The offensive line has gotten better. And when you look at the timeline, you know, of their top four rushing performances, you know, number four was at the very end of October, and then all the other ones are in November or December there. I, you know, I, I think you can kind of read between the tea leaves there, and it's, it's clear the offensive line has been better. Najee's been better. And they have some, like I mentioned, some real compliments uh, to go with Najee as well, too. Exactly so. So well stated. And that's some really good research there, my friend. Hey, that's that's what I, I, I got to produce it while I'm co-hosting it, well, baby. Well, that's it. You, you got more hats than uh, I don't know what. Well, that You know, the nice thing, too, is, Wolf, like I joked earlier, there's no secrets in the NFL in 2022 anymore. Right. If you want to find a stat or a number or something, there's no secrets on it either. You can usually find a pretty – there's a million different websites that track these things now. So, yeah, I was able to, able to hunt that one down pretty quickly, fortunately. But, yeah. All three of your best rushing performances of the season coming post bye week. And then, like I said, number four there still, you know, well into the season, that game in Philly. It's it's clear that it's, it, you know, it's starting to come together at the right time for the Steelers. You, they ran for over 100 yards as a, as a team against Cincinnati in that loss a couple weeks as well, too. I think that's been a, a, a part, a huge part of, of this team playing better football as of late. Absolutely. And so, well, as I said, so well researched because that's coming from someone who doesn't understand research (laughs) i have issues there but regardless all we know is that it's trending upward and it's trending at the right time and the the point uh the right time is now because of the december weather that's going to be you know here and we've got an opportunity i mean if you look at the final five games i mean you got the ravens twice and then you got the panthers raiders and browns and these are all teams that well at least the uh 
Panthers, Raiders, and, and Browns, you know, they're all 5-7 or 4-8. You know, I mean, these are teams that are eminently beatable. Yes. Yes, they absolutely are. That's, you know, I think <laughs> it's funny too, Wolf. We were talking in the in the first segment, in the first hour, about how, you know, how quick sometimes fans can change their tune. Um, but one thing that, you know, that a lot of people have been saying is early on in the season, you know, when it, when it was tough sledding for the Steelers at times, when you made the quarterback change right – I think a lot of people were saying, listen, you're going through some pains, some growing pains right now. You've got a first-time quarterback, whether it be Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, they were both first-timers in Pittsburgh. Obviously, Trubisky had the the, the the bigger body of NFL experience there, but both first-timers in Pittsburgh. Matt Canada kind of finally having the opportunity to work with a quarterback that is more cut from the mold that he wants as opposed to you know a 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger who was limited in the things that he could do in terms of mobility. Um, you have an offense that just has a ton of guys in rookie contracts at key positions. You brought in two new offensive linemen as well, too. There were a lot of moving parts uh, with this team, but particularly on offense. I think a lot of people were saying, hey, they're going to have their struggles. There's going to be times where it might not be pretty. But be patient. Let them let them get through this hellacious ske- stretch of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Things will start to come together. They'll get their bye week. They'll get better. It'll slow down for Kenny Pickett. And the schedule gets a little bit easier. I don't think people ever want to hear that last part because, you know, some people might think that it's seeking comfort or making excuses, but it was just reality. I mean, you look at some of the teams. I mean, right now, Wolf – your your uh, you know your Vegas favorites for the Super Bowl are, are the Bills and the Eagles, and those are two teams that the Steelers played on the road early on in the season. Um, there were some challenges in there, certainly. Not to say that there isn't down the stretch here. There's there's always challenges in and you know in any given Sunday. But you've got a lot more teams who have been going through their growing pains and their struggles as well too, as opposed to teams uh, like Buffalo and like. Um, like the Eagles and, and maybe even Miami as well too, who you know fancy themselves legitimate Super Bowl threats. Now you've got some other teams that are kind of have have struggled to go through it, like the Steelers have here too. And uh, I'm I'm very optimistic that hey, who knows what it's going to look like from a standings or a playoff standpoint when this is all said and done. And obviously a lot of that's out of your control, but. I'm just excited to continue to watch the progression of the whole team, but again, particularly the young offense over these last five games. There's no question about it. Look, you know, you've got an offensive line that has just been doing a great job of coming together and getting after it. And then when you put on the tape, when I started watching from the very get-go, I mean, they were they were taking people off the line of scrimmage. You know, I will tell you this: I don't think Kevin Dotson knows how good he can be. Mm. I really don't. I, I, you know. Some of the things that he does, and, you know, I, I would love to see him finish blocks more and stuff like this. There's little things that you can clean up about your game. But some of the physical things that he does with some of the beefaloes that he just battles yeah. in the trenches, I, it just makes you go, whoa. You know what I mean? Every now and then you'll see him just uproot one of those 350-pound cheese whoppers and walk him off the line of scrimmage like he's escorting an elderly lady out. You know, with a little little rougher than that, I would say. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, he just like, boom, he gets underneath and just starts walking him off the line of scrimmage. And I'm like, wow. You know, I mean, that's just like, it, it just makes me go, hmm, ha, as Myron would say. You know, you love to see that. And you see, I see I see growth in Danny Moore. A lot of people, I, I, I've heard some, some stuff about it, but I see growth in Danny Moore. I see Mason Cole doing just such a fine job and. James Daniels at the right guard spot. 
looking good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you got Chooks. Chooks is probably the best pass protector out there. You know, I mean, Chooks is doing a good job. He's solid. You know, I, uh, I, I, each one of these guys has been growing and individually and corporately as a group. Uh, they've done yes. such a nice job, and it's something – I don't know. I just – I enjoy watching the players. That's the one advantage to being a local guy and, and, and being able to do yeah, the things that we do. Yeah, practices and everything. Yeah, you and get yeah. to watch these young guys, even the older guys too. You watch them from the first day to the last day. You know, and it's just like an opportunity to be able to stay abreast of their how they're progressing because you see it so much. But mm-hmm. well, I think it, we better go to real, break real here, quick huh? too, Wolf. Yes. Just you know, it's I think it is when we talk offensive line as well. It can it be like maybe same church, different pew at times to like an offensive coordinator conversation. Mm-hmm. It's one of those like. Every fan base in the NFL, except for, you know, maybe like Buffalo and Philly, some of those top-tier teams that we just mentioned, Kansas City, they think their offensive coordinator could be doing better, right? Like, every fan base in the NFL, too, with the exception of a couple, thinks their offensive line could be doing better. That's part of the nature of the beast, and it's every team in the NFL wants more from their offensive line. Part of that, though, is just how talented defensive linemen are now. It's insane how athletic these freaks on the defensive line are, but... I, you know, I just wanted to say that because some people might be uh, listening to us and going, ah, well, you guys are talking about improvement and this and that. It's still not good enough. Offensive line play across the NFL is a struggle for the majority of – there's there's maybe four or five teams in the NFL right now that aren't sitting there thinking, yeah, you know, we could still use a little bit better play from our offensive line. But that doesn't mean that they haven't grown, that they haven't progressed, and, um, you know, that, that they deserve a, a shout-out in that regard. They are – you know, they're not the Mona Lisa, right, Wolf? But they are – they are certainly, I think, a much improved unit from the one that we saw at training camp in preseason and, and early on in the year. Much improved, no doubt about it. You know, I mean, whether it's pass protection, whether it's the run blocking, you know, again, more work needs to be done, but dadgummit, they're moving in the right direction. And yep. I think I'd rather hear people get more behind them than, you know, be, be sitting on there and uh, picking apart all the, the things that they think are wrong there because it it, it takes some time and it takes effort, you know. But, okay, let's take a break. We'll be back to wrap this up. We got the last segment coming up here in the locker room with Wolf and Wes. And Matt Max is uh, healing up. And we'll be right back <laughs> after this. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And just as a reminder, we have uh, the Mike Tomlin press conference coming up following this show here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right, Wesley. Wait, who's hosting that one? Oh, that it better be you. <laughs> <laughs> It's just you and me. There's if nobody you, else around. We you, can't throw anybody else under the bus. If you didn't get enough of Wolf and I over the last two hours, listen for a few more minutes yeah. here at noon. Exactly. So we'll <laughs> escort you to the south side where Mike Tomlin will come into the press conference room and uh, have at it. So 
Stick stick with us there. Now, whenever I think Ravens, I think front end of defenses and pressure. You know, I think, uh, you know, you go back to Suggs and Haloti Nada and all the, 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 the Ravenites of the past and so forth that, you know, that's a, it's always been a pressure group, a pressure team. Well, the Ravens have 37 sacks, they're fourth in the NFL. This is going to be, uh, uh, it, you know, coming off the heels of talking about the Steelers line, doing a great job of keeping Kenny uh, clean last week. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be a test. Now it's, it's going to be another test, which it always is in the NFL. But sure, sure. it's just a, a test with a little more intensity to it. And uh, you, you've got uh, Justin Houston with nine sacks. Calais Campbell, who is always – Calais Campbell is just a monster. You know, this guy just plays high-performance football, and he's way up in the double-digit years somewhere. I mean, just a just a huge player, and, and really you respect the heck out of his game. And also, Pat, he's got five-and-a-half sacks. And you got Patrick Queen, who I got a lot of respect for his game as well as a middle linebacker. He's got four sacks. Um, this is going to be a high-pressure group, Wesley. It's going to test the Steeler offensive line. Absolutely is, Wolf. Um, you know, maybe – not the uh, certainly maybe not the days of uh, you know of Suggs and Nada and and some of the guys there, but man, it's a it's a very talented defense. It's a very talented front for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, they've got a good blend there, I think, of um, veterans and younger guys. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you just you just mentioned a a stalwart in this league for a decade, and and then a guy in Patrick Queen who I is in his third year, I believe. I think um, so. So this, you know, this it's a it's a defense that has that that kind of balance, um, you know, maybe kind of like the Steelers do. You know, you've got a Cam Hayward type who is is longer in the tooth and and like a fine wine, and then you got somebody like Alex Highsmith who is playing a huge role still on their rookie contract. It, there's a lot of similarities there, you know. Um, Micah Fitzpatrick for the Steelers, some of the some of the ball hawking guys that Baltimore has uh, on the back end, but it all it all starts up front. Absolutely, that's kind of how you know the Ravens have been built. Um, similar to the Steelers at times over the years. Uh, they want to be able to win in the trenches and kind of build from there on both sides of the football. And and they have got some some familiar names on that defense, certainly, who are who are going to pose a challenge um, for the Steelers front that, like we were just discussing in the previous segment, has improved week by week. Um, but this is, this is going to be a big test for them on Sunday at home. It is indeed. You know, it really will be. And uh, I'm looking forward to it as, uh, you know – I always used to love the the uh, opportunity to compete against the very best. It's just something sure, that, especially sure. in an offensive line, you as a group, you go together and you have at it. You're going to do some battle up there. And you Particularly see against a rival, too, right? Exactly. You know, and there is just great fun in uh, one of those no-holds-barred type of uh, games, you know, where you're sure, sitting there and sure. you, you just – you know that you don't have to send any forget-me-nots or I'm sorry <laughs> right. about that illegal shot I took at you. You know, it's – you don't have that problem. But No apologies on Sunday. Thank you. You're exactly right. Wesley, I want to thank you for sitting in for Max. Max, get healthy, buddy. We need you back. That's right. And uh, we are going to go to the uh, Mike Tom. We'll take you into the Mike Tom. Yeah, you and I aren't going anywhere. Yeah, we're not going. You got to (laughs) stop me because I keep forgetting. I like figure, oh, I'm I'm gone. I start walking out. You're like, go, no, 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 get back here. Listen, Wolf, I don't want to have to put you on trial for skipping the Mike Tomlin (laughs) press conference. All right, so you just stay there in the studio. I'll see you in about ninety seconds. Is there anybody we have not thrown under the bus this morning? (laughs) (laughs) Danny Smith. Danny Smith, that's right, and he does he doesn't deserve it because he did a great job <laughs> of getting the kickoff team doing what they're supposed to do. Oh, it's so good. Well, folks, thanks for joining us. Stay tuned.
All right, Wes is coming in. We'll be able to hang out together and take you into the south side where Mike Tomlin will be hosting a press conference. All that and more right here on SNR. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.